The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Go, Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Ambar Garcia, Brian Broadus, Patrick Walker, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, October 10th, 2023, season 19, episode number 49. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star, and today we've got a lot of different topics we want to hit. We still have to finish our postmortem on Cowboys versus Diners. Uh, We're going to go through and talk about some individual players and how they performed during this game, uh, both on the offensive side of the ball as well as the defensive side of the ball. Uh, got through a whole show yesterday and didn't even mention Dak Prescott. So we got to spend a little time on him today and talk about his performance uh, versus the Niners. Before we get to that, though, uh, there were three injuries coming out of that game mm. that, it, I don't know, it's sounding like right now uh, there there's some pretty significant injuries here. And uh, so I want to go through those injuries, talk about maybe what we know at this point, and then also talk about how the Cowboys move forward. Uh, without some of these players. Let's start first with Leighton Vanderish. What are we hearing about his injury? It's a neck injury. Um, the Cowboys are still, you know, trying to decide what they're going to do with Leighton Vanderish, but there is a possibility that he lands on injured reserve uh, along with CJ Goodwin. We'll get to him in a second. But the report, there are reports out there um, that it could be a four to six week injury. So that means, you know, if you sit for Leighton, for Leighton, if you sit him on injured reserve, you got to sit him for at least four weeks. Um, but considering the type of injury, his injury history when it comes to his neck. Obviously, it was um, a massive concern because then you have to wonder if it was career-threatening. So if the worst case, uh, it you know turns out to be four to six weeks, you know everyone will take that all day long. But we're still waiting to hear what the organization does with him. But strong likelihood he goes to IR. Same for C.J. Goodwin. Torn pectoral muscle is what I'm told. Unlike Leighton Vander Esch, uh, this could be and is likely season ending for C.J. Goodwin. Massive, massive loss for the special teams unit and Bones Fossil there. Cavante Turpin, uh, he rolled his ankle. It was a high ankle sprain, as described to me. But uh, sounds as if he has a chance to practice based on what Mike McCarthy said on yesterday. Now, how much of that practice he'll get or not get, we'll see. They do have an extra day uh, of rest because they have Monday Night Football next week. So no practice on Wednesday. It resumes on Thursday. Let's see how Cavante Turpin looks. Uh, and, I mean, you hate to see him suffer that injury after he makes the big play uh, to kind of show you what he can be in the offense. Um, Jordan Lewis, he went down with a foot injury. It was the same foot, and that created a lot of concern as well. But I spoke with Jordan in the locker room after the game. He said he was fine after everything got checked out. X-rays were negative. MRI came back um, showing no structural damage. So it's sore. But Jordan Lewis says that he can run and he can still do everything. So he should be good to go for Monday night. Let's uh, keep an eye on him for practice as well. Um, Am I missing anyone? Because there was a long list of injuries. Did Donovan Wilson have something wrong with Donovan, him? Donovan Wilson, he uh, he exited the game, but he's fine. Okay. He's fine. Talk yeah. to Donald. He's fine. Yeah. No concerns from anyone in the organization on Donovan Wilson either. Uh, I'm just making sure because it was like a list. Uh, the guys were just Biotish? Tyler Biotish. Uh Mike said yesterday that Biotish should get some practice this week. Doesn't sound like the organization has a lot of concern there, but definitely something to watch considering he's missed a game here recently with that ankle injury. So, yeah, 
there you go. Um, the big ones will be LVE and Goodwin. Goodwin likely done for the season. LVE um, likely IR candidate. But good news is, as we have this conversation, sounds like he's an IR. I, w- I almost said designated to return, but you don't have to designate anymore. But that he should return in the next month or so. Yeah, injuries are starting to pile up. And the one that I think is most concerning is Leighton Vander Esch, primarily because you look at the depth of the linebacker position. There really isn't a lot of depth. And whatever you think of Leighton's play this season, whatever his play was against the 49ers, he still is the best linebacker that they have. And he had his moments against the 49ers. He had moments where he looked really good. He's been playing So so the point is, like, you're losing a major piece in the middle of your defense. My question is, how do you think Dallas needs to and how do you think they will respond to that from a standpoint of the personnel? They have the depth at edge to put Michael Parsons back at linebacker is what they'll do. And they'll have to figure things out with, between Armstrong, Fowler, Sam Williams, all those guys, Golston. They're, they're gonna ha- they, they've got enough edges to be able to move Micah back. Um, you know, it's uh, we'll see what the you know, we'll see with what they do potentially, you know, off their uh, you know, off the practice squad uh you know that's a possibility michael jones was a guy that they signed recently i was kind of hearing you know he's kind of a physical player uh probably a better zone player than man player if you talk about coverage uh could they go out and get um you know could they go out and sign somebody off the street i always reach out and on radio i call it my gang of seven which are my general manager friends directors of player personnel ask about trading for guys we won't get into those because those guys are already kind of on contracts with teams so i'll avoid that but names i was getting was like anthony hitchens was a possibly a name that my guys like rashid uh rashid uh, evans damien wilson that was here uh jermaine carter was another name and if you wanted well i don't can we talk about practice squad poach guys yeah, they're on no, another roster. They're on another roster. Okay, yeah. well then there's just one name on that. So you would, th- there there's some options as far as trading. Again, you probably have to avoid uh, that right now for the position that we're in here on this show. But those were the names that my my what one gang of seven was telling me. Hey, these are guys that are on the street. They might be able to add a little depth to what you're trying to do. But I think the big move would be just to move Micah Parsons back to off ball linebacker. Him. Clark, and then they'll navigate what's going on at edge. Maybe they put Micah down on some rush situations, but I think he's going to play more linebacker. Those are some some interesting free agency names, especially the two most familiar, Damian Wilson and Anthony Hitchens. Obviously, they have familiarity here, um, all, albeit with the you know in the Mary Nutley regime, regime, not in the the Dan Quinn regime. So I, I like those as possibilities. Um, but it, it goes to what Brian was saying, and I asked Dan Quinn about it specifically yesterday. And he basically intimated largely that it is going to be Michael Parsons yeah. and that versatility returning. You're going to see Michael Bar- Parsons drop back to off-ball linebacker. Not to say he's not going to get in, you know, to the backfield, up, uh, opposing backfield. He's going to be on blitz packages. He's going to be sent time and again. But you just you don't have the luxury of dropping him down to full-time DE without LVE. You just don't. You take, don't. take me back to pre-draft, before they drafted Michael Parsons, and we all thought Michael Parsons was coming into the league to be an off-ball linebacker. Uh, what was your assessment of him as a as a linebacker, not as a pass rusher, but as a linebacker's ability to cover, his ability to rally to the ball? What was your what were your impressions there? I tell you what, uh, Patrick, if you got thoughts, I'm just gonna pull no, up my go, draft go notes. No, no, I've got to pull up my draft notes, and this thing takes forever when it comes to drafting because I wanted to go back and read to you exactly okay. what I had. While you're looking it up, yeah. I'll throw another question yeah. at you in the same vein, though. Uh, we saw 
what a great linebacker can mean to a defense with Fred Warner and what mm -hmm. he was able to do in that game yeah. and how many impact plays he was able to have. Do you think that Micah has that level of athleticism to be able to provide that for this defense? The athleticism, yes. Um, the refinement, not right now. Fred Warner not only has crazy athleticism, he also has the refinement of having played X amount of reps in the NFL at a super, superbly high level to be able to cover as well. And that's where, going back to off-ball linebacker at Penn State, that's something that I had a question about when it came to Micah. He has the athleticism, and he can turn and he can react and get back in coverage and kind of drop that gear, but he's not nearly as good as covering as he is as pointing forward and saying, see guy, hit guy, see ball, get ball. Fred Warner is unique in the fact that he can do both. You look at the sack that he had on Dak Prescott. He blows up the play, which was coverage initially for him, but then that forced Dak Prescott out. He immediately see guy, hit guy. So Fred Warner is only comparable to a guy like Bobby Wagner, for example. Michael Parsons is the off-ball linebacker. I think you're going to lose something there in the coverage aspect, but I'm interested to see where he is now in run defense, Micah, versus where he was as a run defender, as an off-ball linebacker at Penn State, because that was something that you wanted to see him improve upon, but he hasn't had that many reps as off-ball linebacker in the NFL with the Cowboys to be able to say, we know he's improved upon that. Mm -hmm. So, Playing the run on the edge is different, as Brian will say, is different from playing it as off-ball. Two different worlds. Let's see what it looks like um, once he comes off of that ball. Yeah, what you got to remember, man, I, that, when you get in this one-note thing, it, it takes forever <laughs> to pull your notes. I, I've got good, good luck with five that. I was about to say, you also have a lot of I have five sure. years of reports yeah, in, no my, in my system now. And this is what, and we got to remember about Michael when he came out. Uh, he didn't play the 2020 season right. because of COVID. Yep. He, he sat that he out. it out. Am I, and if you don't mind me reading from yeah, my notes, here, yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, I said you can't draw him up any better than when it comes to a linebacker. Physically well put together, stout build, appears big on tape. Plays with physical toughness, desire, shows a burst with range in order to run down the ball. Can get forward, sideways in a hurry. Best when he can attack the line of scrimmage. When he comes downhill, he'll make some impressive plays. Body control can, can come and go a little bit. There's snaps where you see him jump around blocks, and it takes him out of a tackle. He'll use his hands, his strength to get rid of blockers, but needs to be more consistent with him. He can dominate, but doesn't always do it. When he puts himself in position, he could really finish tackles. I thought he was better blitzer than a cover man, mm. but it's because he just drops in zones and reacts. When he attacks the pocket, he could he, he could be a load to handle. Can see the burst to get there. Very good communication skills. Is always directing his teammates. Has the ability to make every single tackle. But there's times where he doesn't always do that. So those were the notes I had. I felt like more better a run player than the coverage. And then you asked the question about you know how does that you know how does you know Fred Werner. The one, if I read you Fred Werner's notes when he came out of BYU, the number one thing I remember about him was how well he covered. There it, is. it was much better coverage than it was because you're watching you're watching these his BYU tape, and he was such an athlete. I just remember him always being around the ball, but always running and then playing in coverage and having that awareness there. Where if, if guys came inside, he was there, or if he had to run with a back, he was there. You know, his coverage skills were far more. But I think Micah's might have been a little bit about more about what they're asking him to do at Penn State. Just drop to zone, kind of settle, mm -hmm. and then react. Where Penn, where BYU was different, where they asked their guys to actually play in coverage. And I want to say it might have been year one for Micah 
when we saw him, there was a play in a particular game where we saw him carry a receiver downfield, deep downfield, and he he made a play on the ball. Yeah, or, I think well, there was, was a wheel. Was to, Am I? Yeah, there was, there was a wheel. Yeah. There was yeah. out of the field. Yeah, yeah. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he dropped back. And it, it was impressive to me that he was able to do that. But yeah, there was a wheel route one time. Somebody had done a goal line, and it might have been Philadelphia in a game. I think it was played here in, in at AT and T where they tried to run the wheel on him, and he carried the guy and just kind of just yeah. pushed him. You know, out of bounds. Yeah. You know, kind of was in a position to, to defend the ball, but but his just his presence kept the receiver wide, mm-hmm. and I, I I think that's you know. But yeah, and he it, ran with him. That was yeah, that, that goes yeah. to the athleticism. Yeah. I believe that he has the athleticism to have that Fred Warner comp. Um, but when you look at what Fred Warner does as far as pure coverage is concerned, I don't yeah. think that's a comparison. No, and I'm not I'm not expecting him immediately to jump in and be Fred Warner. Or Marcus Banger or anybody else. That's not what I'm expecting. What I'm expecting is I take is, Marcus Banger right, right. now. What I'm, what I'm expecting is if you got a guy that you drafted in the first round, I'm expecting him to be good enough to where you don't lose anything by Leighton Vander Esch being out. That's well, my, yeah, my thing. It's like, remember, is, what's the delta between him and Leighton Vander Esch is what I'm looking you for. you got to remember, that's what you drafted right. him for. You drafted him to be a linebacker. This whole pass rushing thing came about later, something that was a very nice surprise. Injuries. And, remember yeah, that yeah, game right before, yeah. the, before the Chargers exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then, Tank gets hurt in a practice out here. Yeah. And, and now Quinn that, puts him yeah, there yeah. to replace some of that or help. And, yeah. help, yeah. and then you yeah. see the magic happen. But now... I mean, you don't have. To, you're starting to lose that luxury of having him as that guy that can be just like wherever he wants to and let him be Micah Parsons. Now you actually need the help. And what didn't uh, Deron Bland? Th- did he get hurt too? He had cramps. He, no, he, just ha- he just had cramps, just right? Cramps. Right. Then, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But that's you another me. thing. That's why I paused. I was like, wait, what? No, no, no. I remember something happening. Yeah, no, there, he but it was cramps. It was cramps. But just another thing to look at. I mean, he's fine. Yeah. Uh, but still, uh, keeping in mind what's happening in the, in the secondary and the fact that you lost Trevon Diggs, he's not there. And that is starting to get noticed. I mean, Deron Blind has done a really nice job. But you still see that... A guy like Diggs is being missed there. So, again, now you got to make happen with what, with what you got. What's really interesting about it is um, when you look at this year's training camp, and it was something that I kind of pointed at, and it continued to be a thing, and now it's definitely a thing when you look at Leighton Van Der Esch's snaps as far as where he lines up on any given moment. In training camp, we saw a lot of – edge work for Leighton Van Der Esch. Okay, well now Leighton Van Der Esch goes off the field with injury for a few weeks. Michael mm-hmm. Parsons drop back, drops back in the LVE role. That's proof positive for me that, you know, there's a package already right, waiting right there for Dan Quinn to plop Michael Parsons in and say, hey, I know I'm going to ask you to play off-ball linebacker, yeah. but yeah. I guarantee you, you're, yeah. you're going to get your edge rushes in. So. Yeah. Alright, let's uh, take our first break. When we come back, let's jump into a little more on this Cowboys versus Niners uh, matchup. Some of the intricacies of what we saw and, and where it went wrong for the Cowboys. We'll be back. DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 
5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Cowboys fans, after that move, we've just coined the term Rowdy Replay. Let's roll back the tape. Okay, there's our mascot Rowdy cheering on the boys. And now he's on his phone on his Bank of America mobile banking app? Staying on top of his finances with his virtual financial assistant, Erica. Bank of America's digital tools are so impressive. Cowboys fans just can't stop banking. Learn more at bankofamerica.com slash can't stop banking. Erica is only available in in the English language. You must download the latest version of the mobile banking app, only available on select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome back into Dear Doctor, the show where I answer life's questions with an ice-cold can of Dr. Pepper. Sheila, let's hear from our next caller, would you? Dear Doctor, my friend supported me during a tough time, but what's the right gift that says, thanks for being a shoulder to cry on? Okay, this one's easy. I say, give her a delicious Dr. Pepper. Nothing says, thanks girl, better than a -a one-of-a-kind soda. Yes, any Dr. Pepper flavor will do. Now, just a reminder that I don't need to be a real doctor to know that Dr. Pepper is the one you deserve. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find Find a location near you. Back to the break. Oh, how about this one? The most action-packed motorsports experience in the world returns to Arlington. Head to AT&T Stadium this Saturday, October 14th for Monster Jam. Tickets are available now at SeatGeek.com, the official ticket provider of AT&T Stadium. Yeah, if you've never been to Monster Jam, it is a and you got little kids, it is a blast. My kids, when they were younger, yeah. they used to love going to Monster Jam. We'd have, bring we'd the headphones along. Definitely bring the, the, bring, the, bring the ear protection for the little ones. Yeah, but and it for is the fun. old ones, yeah, like it's me. Fun. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> Protect your ears. Took yeah. the family last year, and it was yeah. they, the kids just had... So much fun, and yeah. I'm not afraid to admit I was having just as much fun as the kids it's, were. I was cheering. I, I was like, cheering for my fun. Yeah, they, I picked yeah. the truck I liked. I was cheering yeah, for it, man. and yeah, it's kind of neat when they go up in the air and then like parts of it start flying off, and then they're like driving the frame around. Yeah, there's something no, to that. The point of the show is to tear stuff up. Yeah, like, that's yeah, the point of yeah. the show is they're going to tear up these trucks, right? Yeah, yeah. And so it's just fun if you if you like that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's fun just to get out there and watch them tear it up. You know, yeah. it's a lot of fun. All right, let's jump back in. I want to start with the offense. Um, one thing that became very apparent to me early in that game uh, was that the Cowboys offense, uh, I think by design, went into this game with the expectation they were going downfield. They were going to try to challenge this yeah. this offense, yeah. I mean, this defense downfield. Yeah. Check out one of these numbers I found. Uh, Dak averaged 11.5 air yards per attempt in yes. this game. Yeah. It was double, double what, what he's averaged Absolutely. in the first yeah. four games yeah. at around 5.9, which was the second lowest in the NFL. Right. Uh, but the production just wasn't there. Right. On 20-plus yard passes, he was only one of three with one touchdown and one interception. Right. 10 to 20 yard passes, he was only one of five with one interception. Do you think this was the right strategy? Do you think that maybe how they did it may have been the problem? What do you think of their their decision to go downfield more? I did. You were there yesterday for Brian Schottenheimer, right? Yes, it was. What did he say about the man coverage? 
He they 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 didn't expect to that, get yeah. they didn't expect to get as much man coverage. He, he did say as they that did. they, they uh, the Forty Nineers were focused on a lot of press man. Yeah, and that was something that they had to kind of combat through. Yeah, yeah. So he did mention that. Yeah. See, that's where I think that to me the plan of going downfield because the metrics told you, and we went through it last week mm-hmm. through the next gen stuff was passes that were zero to ten. They're like 17 of 24. Beyond that, they were still having success more on Lenore than on Ward on the other side. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but they got they got a lot of man coverage in that game. And the, the things that I saw were that when you look through all the plays, yeah, there were some plays where guys were open. But it wasn't to the point where I thought – I mean, running to get zone, I felt like that the Cowboys were like, okay, they're just going to eat them up. But when they, but the Cowboys struggled with that. That when they got on the line of scrimmage, to to have to to get off those, and I think it affected the way that Dak threw the football. Mm-hmm. You know, and it, we we were talking about if they could protect, they could make some plays. But we were thinking they were going to probably play more zone coverage. They said no, we're going to play man, and it, and it goes back to a little bit of what Arizona did against you. You know, and how they played with more man coverage than than zone. So, you know, it's. It, I think that I think that caught them by surprise a little bit that that they weren't able to win enough in those one and one one on one situations off the line. Yeah, that was very clearly their plan to to get you know middle deep and just deep against this 49er secondary. That for the most part, um, I mean, you have Traverius Ward. He he does well in in mm-hmm. the backfield. You have Tashawn Gibson. He does mm-hmm. well as well. But Lenore was the glaring uh, the blinking light, yeah. as the Cowboys like to say. But to Brian's point, coming into this game, the 49ers tend to protect. Yeah. their secondary by spacing them and having them give that that space. Right. And the Cowboys came in and thought, hey, okay, well, we can attack this. And they could. But when they saw a pressed man was, from snap one and then continued yeah. throughout, now the onus is on the receivers to get separation off of the jam, off of the press. And the problem was that we talked about yesterday, the receivers were not able to get that. Yeah. And that completely disrupted timing, and this is a timing-based offense. Yeah. The Cowboys have said it time and again. Dak has said it. Brian Schottenheimer has said it. Mike McCarthy has said it. And so that means when you disrupt the timing, and kudos to Kyle Shanahan, he realizes this. When you disrupt the timing, that's it. It's a wrap. So that's why while Dak Prescott was airing it out much more or trying to air it out much more, it wasn't nearly as effective because go back and look at the separation rates. I think only one receiver or maybe no receivers had more than three yards. Yeah, I think um, CD was like two and a yeah, half. Two and a half, half or something yeah, like yeah, that. So yeah. I don't think any of the receivers had more than three yards of separation. Most yeah, separation came from Jake Ferguson. I'll actually throw this out. This stat I, I noticed was interesting. The open percent, and this is the number of times uh, when they were targeted, they had three-plus yards of separation. For the Cowboys, it was only 34.6% of the time. That is their lowest percentage yeah. of open receivers the this entire season. So, yeah, it absolutely it affected what exactly what San Francisco was doing. It definitely felt, well, affected the Cowboys' back, offense. Go, go back and look at the interceptions they had. Okay, the the one, and just the great example, that well, actually were two, that I – the one, the ball that was thrown in, uh, inside to Gallup on the slant that was tipped in the air, I mean, he, he, there was no chance. I mean, that was just a really a nice defensive play, you know, but there was coverage there. And then if you go back and watch the interception Burks, the linebacker, had when he jumped the route yep. underneath, Cooks is getting mugged on the top of, mm-hmm. the, of the route, too. I mean, that, that ball, if that ball gets through, that's probably going to be incomplete, too. So, you know, the Cowboys have had some success running these slants and being effective at doing it. But in those two particular, it, it really resulted in two of the interceptions were off slants. And that's kind of a bread-and-butter play for the Cowboys. Well, yeah. as the game went on, how should they have 
adjusted or what should he, the Cowboys have done differently or McCarthy as far you know, as play calling? You know, I to me and, and I'm not an I'm not an offensive coordinator and I and I but to me what I have done the Cowboys could get into a bunch formations and scatter. Mm-hmm. You know, all of a sudden it's like okay. In, instead of playing wide and allowing the 49ers to pick you up one on one and then p- potentially either you know shade a safety one way and try and you know take C get in bunch formations and scatter that thing you know if you look the touchdown they threw to uh to Turpin trips right yep. mm-hmm. and they they motioned, <laughs> motioned it, they up. motioned yep. him in and then ran him on the on the corner uh, of the, it, that gets of him the, off the press of the yeah. nickel yeah. the nickel had no when you move people or bunch them and scatter them then you you're making you know and that that helps them in their pick game too yeah. you know and some of the 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 Dak Dak took a sack they tried to run a pick they knew that 49ers okay they're trying to run a a, a, a really a man beater they run Ferguson across but they picked the wrong guy so they, you know, all of a sudden the the the, the nickel's able to get through, and now everybody's covered. And then you got Warner who avoids the pick, and now he's chasing, mm-hmm. and he's going to run you down. So to me, movement they they scored a touchdown off it. They, they also, bur- I don't know if it was you or, or Nick that mentioned it during the game. But where there was again, I'm not a coordinator. Yeah, you know? I'm just telling you what they scored on a play, play where yeah. um, they lined up Ceedee Lamb. He was kind of out on the outside and then he comes back and just stays like in instead of being spread out like you said and that was well that was nick mentioned that and it was it was i think nick's point is why run the ball when you have a receiver out wide that has a corner out and you bring that receive that corner in and then run the the ball yeah it just just adds another guy to the box he missed the block he did miss the block he missed the block and so and then you see him kind of clap his hands and i'm going well he you know you're asking him and then they put Tolbert in the game to run the crack toss, but they don't do anything else with Tolbert. Yeah. They just ask him to come down and sign blocks. So to me, it's kind of like, it's almost like the Noah back in the day, the, the, the Jason Garrett administration, when you bring Noah Brown in and all he's going to do is block. Yeah. You know, you got to show, and that's the great thing about putting Turpin in the game. You're thinking jet sweep, you're thinking some type of little run and play, but then they run him through the formation and then it ends up being a big play. Yeah, speaking of you talking about that strategy of bunching your guys or yeah. compressing your guys, yeah. watch how San Francisco runs their offense. They do yeah. a ton of that. Yeah. It's why it makes it so difficult to, to control them yeah. is because they'll put all those guys in tight and, and then they'll scatter. Yeah. The ball is snapped and they're all in different parts of the field right. and it's hard to really get hands on them right. within that first five-yard mm-hmm. cushion and that allows them to get open and create the separation what that they, you want. What they do with their tight formations and bunches is they'll block. Those guys will like they'll run it, so you're like thinking, okay, they're going to get tight and they're going to run it here, and then all of a sudden, no, wait, they're throwing, boom, they scatter, yep. and now they're, you know, guys are they're they're replacing guys. I've seen them run routes where they go up and cross, and then a guy falls up and uh-huh. then stops, yep. and so they got a crosser with a stop, and now they give the guy the option throw it there, throw it there, right. you know, and it, it's just it's it's a fun offense to watch. It really, it is. really is because of how they, they use their personnel in a way that you're going, man, that, that is really an intelligent way of doing that. And then another another benefit of using motion is it it reveals more often than not zone versus man, yeah. right? When you when you move this particular person from this side to this side, if you see uh, that player chase that player, okay, that player is in man. And then if you do a double motion, send somebody else and that person doesn't move, okay, well, this is a mixed coverage. Yeah. You can help yourself by 
pre-snap by using more motion. I, I just feel like the Cowboys, I'm not saying they don't use motion, but when you compare it up against what Kyle Shanahan does. Well, and they're 86% uses, of the time they have motion in this so game. So Dallas is, again, according to the great NetJet net stats, yeah. stats, is that every week Dallas has gotten less and less yep. on the motion part of things. And you're kind of like going, okay, is that just because the way the game is going? But you could also, the way the 49ers do it and teams do it is, they'll motion guys to, and they'll move guys over to get a linebacker on, like they'll move McCaffrey out, and all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, they bump a corner out to get a linebacker on McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And now, or Juszczyk is now, you know, Juszczyk has you know, got a corner on him, but wait, they got a linebacker on a safety inside, and you're like going, or on a, you know, so it's it's on a receiver inside. So it's, it's really creative the way that they do things. Yeah, you mentioned Kyle Shanahan, but we also got to give Tip our cap to Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes did a great job. He had a great game game plan going up against this Cowboys offense, and I think that's a big part as to why the offense was so stagnant throughout the day. We're going to take our final break. Uh, We'll come back, talk about Dak Prescott and his day and how much that contributed to the loss. We'll talk about that in just a moment. It's DallasCowboys.com radio. Todd thought it would be secure to jog in the cheetah savannah. Todd believed the big cat repellent he bought online was reliable. And now Todd is trying to be faster than this cheetah that can run 80 miles per hour. But the good news is Todd has AT&T 5G that is fast, reliable, and secure. And he learned the best thing to do is stop running and toss her the backpack with the beef stew. AT&T 5G. Fast, reliable, secure. It's not complicated. 5G requires compatible plan and device. 5G may not be available in your area. See att.com slash 5G for you for details. Don't put off getting your oil change, Dallas. Take 5 Oil Change. A proud partner of the Cowboys is faster than you think. There's no appointment needed and no waiting room. Yep, you heard that correctly. Take 5 is so fast, you don't even have to get out of your car. You can take advantage of Take 5's fast, friendly, and simple service at any of their locations across the Dallas area. And remember, at Take 5, you stay in your car because they're faster than you think. Take 5, the official oil change of the Dallas Cowboys. It's the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black. And right now, Cowboys fans can get 15% off their $75 order. Plus, because every deal needs a playmaker, your order will include a free five-piece skincare set and free shipping. The Jack Black Playmaker is four of Jack's favorites and a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Make a play for the playmaker at getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code COWBOYS VIP. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys with the code cowboys VIP. They say champions are remembered, but legends are never forgotten. United Ag and Turf offers a winning lineup of John Deere equipment built to tackle any challenge on and off the field. Legendary John Deere tractors, combines, residential mowers, commercial mowers, compact construction equipment, gator utility vehicles, and a full line of golf and sports turf equipment. United Ag and Turf, the official Ag and Turf equipment supplier of the Dallas Cowboys. Visit unitedagandturf.com to find a location near you. Back to the break. All right. Whoa. Ready? Here we go. Uh, let's see. What do we got here? Oh, yeah. Here. Hey, the pro shop. Uh, head to the pro shop uh, at uh, Northeast Mall in Arlington, Texas on Saturday, October 15th between 11 a.m. and 4 p.m. for uh, Cowboys Collections on Tours. 
See rare team archives, custom headwear, and grab a gift with uh, grab a gift with purchase and enter for a chance to win a giveaway. Stay tuned for more tour stops coming throughout the season. Yeah, we got a little late start there because we were talking about the uh, hometown Rangers playing tonight. Good yeah. luck to the hometown Good Rangers. Luck to the Rangers. Hopefully they uh, they'll close. Well, this you thing guys out. survived one last night. Survived? Yeah, survived. His Braves. Survived. His Braves. I know you were just like losing your he mind. Was. Never like, you a doubt. You couldn't take another one. You couldn't take another one. Never a doubt. But that's, a good, joke, that's a good baseball. All jokes aside, yeah, baseball gods owed me because <laughs> they, they took it from me on Saturday and then the NFL gods took it from me on Sunday. So I'm sitting there yesterday. At least your football, at least well, your college there, football team. I'm sitting there yesterday down 4 0, uh, going into the middle innings, and I'm just rubbing my eyes. I'm like, you got to be kidding yeah. me. And then it happened. The yeah. Braves woke up and became the Braves. So the. Uh, Potential Braves Rangers World Series. It's, it's, still, it's still, alive. On. It's still, still alive. alive. It's still alive. All right. This segment is brought to you by blockchain.com. Here we go. Let's talk about Dak Prescott. He was 14 of 24, uh, 58% completion rate, only 153 yards passing, one touchdown, three interceptions, uh, 51.6 rating. How much do you attribute the struggles of the offense to Dak's play? In that particular game, I think that uh, you could you could point the finger at a lot of different players, but you can also, I say the quarterback always is going to take the lion's share of the blame. There were some open guys, he, you know, the the, the pass to Schoonmaker. Mm-hmm. If you when you watch the all twenty two, especially from the end zone, he's open. Uh, we'll see if Schoonmaker would have caught it, but I mean, it he was open. The ball went a little high. I think Gat, uh, Dak was a little. You know, a little amped up in this uh, game as it started. Uh, it's unfortunate the long pass they threw out of bounds to uh, to Cooks. I just felt like that when you watch him, he was having to move to his left and to try and get that ball as far as he could down the field. His momentum carried him that way, and I think it pulled the ball that way. It's physics. I know yep. you have science. That's physics. <laughs> physics is yeah, science. Physics. Yeah. Physics yeah, and science. I'm not making an excuse for him because he had some throws that were open. But there was also I, I give I give Steve Wilkes the 49ers their plan uh, the way they covered I gave Arizona a lot of credit for what they did in their game you know with the way they played defense they didn't allow you any ability to run the football very well and they didn't allow the receivers on the outside to win nearly enough when these receivers are winning you see Dak Prescott have that ability but there were some tough tight window throws. The interceptions were all tight window throws, just the way the balls were tipped and knocked in the air. Uh, you got to you know tip the cap to those guys, but um, you know it's on the quarterback too. You know when they have to make some plays, they have to make some plays. They can't let plays go by. You can't leave those plays on the field, and it happened to him a couple of different times. When Dak plays that way, where he's off, this team will generally lose. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. It has to be has to play better. Um, definitely not one of his best outings in in many capacities. And I, I keep circling back in my mind as I go to this game, and I say, you know, what was the early tell as far as how this game was going to go? And it was the the sailed past the schoolmaker. If yeah. you if you make that throw, and assuming schoolmaker comes down yeah. with that, that is a huge boost, an early boost, momentum wise, and and you know morale wise for the Cowboys offense to say, hey, we can do what we want to do against this this defense. But that misses, and then things just kind of slowly crumbled from there until it started to rapidly crumble from there. And so their passes, and and again, I said it yesterday, the level of difficulty on that pass to Cooks, one to ten, that's an eleven. Yeah. But you know, if you throw it just a little bit. If you throw more vertical, maybe throw it a little gonna, sooner too. Yeah, then but, but he, I think he had to. I think he really had to. 
you know, move his body oh, no, in a way was, to get the you yeah, know we're, we're and not, the angle the angle threw him completely off and it's not an excuse just watch yeah, the throw from the end zone and you'll see where his body position is to try and get that ball out there yeah we're not we're not going to say that was easy or even remotely easy those who know know that's why we're sitting here saying yeah. that that yeah. throw was extremely difficult but if the ball gets out a little bit earlier yeah. if it goes a little bit more vertical than yeah. horizontal then Cooks has an actual shot of making that play so things like that and then when you look at um, the mobility of Dak there were opportunities where he could have taken off and, and pushed the, the uh, envelope and kind of moved the chains or at least created you know more third and short situations if he would have just been more decisive in saying okay I see green I'm taking green yeah. but it was yet another game in which there was green to be taken but he didn't he kept his eyes downfield and sometimes that's great but in a game like this where you can't get any kind of offensive chemistry going and right. kind of flow going you have to take any positive that yeah. you can get so the Fred Warner sack, for example, if Dak had decided to just go ahead, plays breaking down, quickly go through progressions, nothing's there, take off and run, you probably beat Warner on that edge. There was another uh, sack that he, take, he, he uh, took that game. You probably beat the guy if you just go ahead and quickly determine that this play's blown up, I'm going yeah. to take this. So from the aspect of being more decisive and using his legs, which is something we want to see from Dak yeah. Prescott, and you know some of the throws that – he definitely wants back that he needs to make to help a struggling offense. It's most certainly a grade that you look at and say, okay, well, A to, a to F, where is this? This is an F for Dak. Yeah. This is an F for Dak, yeah. and there's no other way to put it. So yeah. can he be better? Yes, he can. He's shown he can be better, and he's going to have to prove it again against Los Angeles. Yeah, it's very – my emotions are still very high right now, and it's super frustrating This because there are days that you're going to have to rely on your defense. There are days you're going to have to rely on your running game. There are days that you need to rely on your quarterback. And I'm not putting all the blame on Dak because everyone played bad in this yeah. game. But you got to do better. Uh, we've seen games where Dak has been great. Even last year, he has won the best game uh, in his career. The Tampa game, the playoff game, was outstanding. For he him. was amazing. Was. So you've seen him being capable of doing those things, and I love Dak. But at some point, you you got to be able to show up in important games like this where nothing is working, and you got to be the guy that kind of – takes that lead because that's kind of what quarterbacks do at times. When nothing is working, you got to show up and be the one to kind of save or try to save the day. Well but the, well and the, lastly on this point, the thing that kind of frustrated me was it wasn't that nothing was working. The Cowboys actually found one or two things that were working. Jake Ferguson, for example. Yeah. yeah yes. So then when, yes. You, when you look at it from that aspect as well, you look at Dak and say, okay, well, Cooks, that's that connection's not working. CD, he's frustrated. That's not working. Gallup's not getting the separation. That's not working. What is working? Jake Ferguson. Okay, one, two, three. Three catches, three receptions. This is working. I'm going to tear this up until they take this away. And them taking this away might open up something else. But they completely got away, got away from Jake Ferguson. And I, I put that on as much uh, the play calling as I do the quarterback because the quarterback's on the field. He's seeing this in real time. Mm -hmm. You're seeing these guys aren't getting separation. So where's the green light? It's Jake Ferguson. And you went away from that completely for the remainder Which of the game. Which is weird and, and Which, odd because we've seen F, the tight end F. be the guy to no. be the safety blanket <laughs> to Dak. So no. that's so strange that it happened no. that way. He can be better. He will be better. And the connection between he and uh, Jake Ferguson, it's there. It's growing. We've seen it over the past several weeks. But to walk, to see that 
just get a hard stop in the game where you needed something to start yeah. going right. That's very disheartening. And that's one of the many reasons, one of the many reasons the Cowboys got thumped. Are you seeing a difference this year between Dak Prescott's play and what you saw from him last year to where you can attribute some of it to the offensive play calling in the scheme? Uh, I, I I think that, to me, there's a side that, you know, I'm okay with the interceptions if I can throw the ball eight yards a, a shot. You know, if I'm I'm okay with Dak, you know, the turnovers and stuff like that, I guess, I, you know, a lot of people were complaining about it. But I, I honestly don't recognize this guy playing the dink and dunk. It's third and five and you throw the ball for three yards. I, you know, I don't I don't get that. I know there's guys that were covered and, you know, there are things mm-hmm. going on there. But I, I just don't feel like this offense suits Dak that way. And I know that Jerry Jones came on 105.3 The Fan this morning and talked about no changes and this and that, and he's confident and all. And that's good. That's his job to be confident. But I just feel like, though, the way that Dak plays, to me, I think playing open, loose, fast, the way he does, I think that's a better-suited game for him. I, you know, you're trying to kind of throw it, be controlled, limit the turnovers and stuff. Hell, okay, you threw two slants. Both of them were intercepted, you know? I mean, that, if, you're gonna, if that's what you're going to do, well, then you're still throwing interceptions. You know, I, I just don't know if just nickel and diamond people with Dak Prescott's the way to play football. I said it this morning uh, with RJ, uh, Sean, and Bobby is is that I think I feel like Dak is being shrunk at the moment yeah. um, as far as risk mitigation. And yeah. I'm right there with Brian. And it's like, yeah, you're trying to eliminate or minimize the, the number of interceptions, but at the risk of losing the Dak Prescott that we know can throw 4,900 yards and 37 touchdowns. Yeah. And and honestly, I'm not saying, you know, I want him to, to throw it up and, and just like he did against Cooks. I don't want to see that down, yeah. down the middle. Yeah, yeah. Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not playing football. That's just heaving it up there and then, you know, seeing what Hoping happens. Hoping for like, the best. No, which is why he kind of yeah. smirked coming off. It was off that like, kind of game, though, you know. Do, right. yeah, yeah. But I, I feel like Dak Prescott needs to be allowed more um, leeway to say, you know what, let's open up deep middle of the field. Let's take some of these shots because I would rather, you know, 30 touchdowns to 13 interceptions, 14 interceptions, as long as the Cowboys continue to win and it's not costing them games, versus, oh, he only finished with eight interceptions this season. Then you look at, you know, the Cowboys' record and it's nine and eight. And then you look at the fact that Dak Prescott only has, you know, 21 touchdowns. Like, what did you really yeah. gain from that yeah. risk mitigation? So I think that the scale has flown too far to the left and it needs to come back to, to dead. So. That's a great point. All right, real quick before we end the show, solo lab coat. What you got for us today? So, lab coat. Beamer. Hold on, hold on. Well, yes, science. Go. Way to bring yeah. me in, Beamer. Good stuff. All right, so really quickly, after a game like um, what we saw in Santa Clara, we're not going to dig too deep into the stats because it's glaring. The magic number is 67. This is this is what we're going on, ladies and gentlemen. 67. That's 35 and 32. The Cowboys defeated Bill Belichick by 35 points. The following week, they lost to the 49ers by 32 points. That is the worst swing in point mm. differential from a victory to a loss in franchise history. Mm. This is a team that has existed in its current form since 1960, and what we just witnessed in a two-week spread has never happened before. You want to talk about resiliency? Let's see it. That was the worst loss ever to the 49ers, 12th worst loss in the history of the Cowboys, only two points shy of being top 10 
worst losses uh, in Cowboys history. They're going to have to really show what resiliency looks like. It's a team that hasn't lost back-to-back games since November of 2021. Uh, They're really up against it now because they're also going against the Los Angeles Chargers team whose offense is not afraid to air it out, not worried about risk mitigation. And oh, by the way, their offensive coordinator has a point to prove. Um, And you're also going to have to do this without LVE on defense. You're going to have to do this without C.J. Goodwin helping you on special teams. Talk about adversity. It has arrived and it has arrived in space. 67 points. That's the swing differential from last week to the week prior to this past week. So let's see what it looks like in week six. We talked about this following the Arizona game since 2021, though. The Cowboys have been 11-1 in games following a loss. Uh, They have been really good in those games following a loss. We will see if that trend happens uh, this week. Derek, real quick. Yeah. Remember we went to that game we played in the Saints in New Orleans where it was so bad? Yeah, that game reminded it. me of that Saints game. I, and I think – Yeah, the, that the, was one of those that it was just like it was nothing's just, working Nothing's today. working today. Yeah. Everything bad that could happen happened. You hear so, that doggone song? It, it, it was a lot. <laughs> doom, the crunk. Doom. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. They crunked us up pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was but, bad. Hey, but the, 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 the lab was good today. you got to have these thoughts about it. And they've had some bounce back. You know, that, that record is that's, – that's for real. The yeah. bounce back is for real. It ain't something we just made up. It's yeah. for real. Tomorrow we will start the, the the process of turning the page. We will get into uh, this next game. Brian will give us a little lead in on Cowboys offense versus the Chargers defense. Hope I'm right this week. <laughs> and, and we'll get that rolling. Till then, for Patrick Walker, Brian Broaddus, Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break Live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!